Welcome to the Soul Health Mentor Podcast with Nadia Kraus. Learn how to move your awareness out of your mind and into your heart so you can embody your divinity, experience joyous peace of mind, and create your most vibrant life by opening to receive your soul's sacred medicine. Hello, beautiful soul. Hello, strong heart. Hello, brilliant listener. In this week's episode of Soul Health Mentor, I am able to share a really meaningful conversation that I had with Jacqueline Morasco, and I called the episode Sobriety's Sacred Medicine. And as a former corporate health coach, now promoting your divinity, I heard many stories from participants struggling with their health and adapting unhealthy coping mechanisms and coming to the United States from Germany, I was surprised that there is a huge problem with addiction and alcohol and I know this is real and this is substantial That is why I find the conversation I was able to have with Jacqueline so inspiring, so empowering, so uplifting, and so illuminating. And it is my hope that you perceive this conversation as a ray of sunshine that encourages you to know that transformation is possible you can do hard things and you can master your transformation. If you know someone struggling with addiction, I invite you to share this episode with them as that ray of sunshine. Of course, they will need to want to change, but I think it's really, really important that we start talking about this more so that we realize as humans that we are never alone in our struggles and we can find those people around us that can support us in our transformation. And I also encourage you to check out Jacqueline and her work if you feel called to work with her. You can find the full show notes on my website, happywholesomelife.com slash blog. And you will find all the details and all the different channels where you can connect with Jacqueline. Thank you so much for being here and listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Soul Health Mentor. Today, I am so excited, so grateful, so delighted to be interviewing Jacqueline Morasco, a soul guide and yoga therapist. Now, I said Jacqueline's name in the way that Europeans say it because I'm from Germany. So I'm going to let Jacqueline say her name the way it's said in America. (laughs) Welcome. Hi, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> Hi. Hi, Nadia. Um, so my name is Jacqueline Morosco, but I love Jacqueline. So please feel free to continue. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm so grateful because I don't actually think I can say it the other way. That might sound kind of crazy, but I've noticed those have been the hiccups as a German living in the USA. So I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for 
allowing me to call you Jacqueline. All right. I am so excited, delighted, and grateful because soul guide and yoga therapist, that combination is just really, really powerful. And this podcast is all about out of your mind and into your heart wisdom. So I can't wait for you to tell your transformational story. What actually inspired and empowered you to do the work that you do today? It actually started a long time ago. Um, I was uh, 21. I was not in a good place physically or mentally, and I was addicted to alcohol, and um, my other drug of choice was cocaine. And um, I ended up uh, through, you know, getting pulled over for a DUI and having to being forced into therapy, I ended up actually getting sober and um, didn't really think that I would stay sober. But amazingly enough, I have. And it was the work of getting sober that really led me to the work that I do today. Because when I was um, first going to AA meetings, I could not sit still. I was 21. I didn't feel like I fit in. Um, some part of me knew that I belonged there. And somebody handed me this yoga book, you know, because this was pre-internet, you know. <laughs> and, um, and so they gave me a yoga book and I started to do it. And I never thought, you know, 30 plus years later, I would still be doing it and eventually, you know, deep in my studies. So it was really a combination of, you know, getting sober, going to AA, lots of therapy and different kinds of modalities. And of course, yoga that has been like this steady practice throughout my life. Wow, that is such a powerful story. And Having had two drugs of choice is almost like a double whammy. Did you have to hit rock bottom to make the change happen? You know, I, like, and I'm going to answer that for myself. Um, it's my opinion that everybody needs to hit rock bottom before they actually will make a change. You know, and, and that's with anything with substances, you know, including food or exercise, you know, you have to like reach a bottom point before you know that there's a problem. But even at, like I had had overdoses, I had been in a coma, I had, you know, been arrested, I had lots of things, you know, going wrong in my life. And I still didn't think I had a problem because I was young, I was fairly healthy, you know, I worked as a bartender. Um, and so I was able to continue on um, in some ways. But what happened was I, I really, at that point, didn't want to continue living, you know, like I had, I, I just had this idea that I didn't want to live past 23. And um, so with all of these horrible things happening to me, um, because of choices that I made, uh, I kind of thought that uh, it was okay if I went down this path and, you know, because I didn't really want to be on the planet any longer. And so when I did get sober, it was, I cried when, when I really realized that I was an alcoholic and that I, if I didn't make changes, I was going to die and that I really did want to live. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, I, 
I, I totally, you know, use the people around me for support to change, you know, how I was being and really who I was. Yes. I don't know if I answered your question. You did. I, that question had a purpose and the purpose was, and and I could hear it from your answer. So since this um, podcast is all about out of your mind and into your heart wisdom, when we are in our mind, we can rationalize our actions a lot. So it often takes hitting rock bottom to stop rationalizing. And you shared when you finally realized, oh my goodness, I want to live. I want to live. That's when you actually truly came into your heart. And that's when the out of your mind and into your heart wisdom of healing and transformation and soul medicine can actually take root. Does that make sense the way I explained it? Absolutely. And I love that you shared it. It was just something that I wanted the listener to hear that before change happens, we often rationalize that it isn't actually so bad, that oh, it's fine. And, and your rational mind was saying, well, I don't want to live anyway. Who cares? I'm only going to live till I'm 23 anyway. But then you got sober and you went on your healing journey. And I was wondering how much of your life in, in, in a time frame, like how many months or years did it take for you to fully heal and and to be sober? Oh, that's, that's a big question, Nadia, because I would say I'm still on a healing path. (laughs) And, and so, so, you know, because some people say that because uh, long-term sobriety is, is a lot harder to maintain for some people, you know, and, and so I, I don't know at which point I would say that I was moving on that, that forward or upward or deepened path, you know, because it took a while for my head to clear and, you know, from the substances and, you know, to heal my body, you know, the physical part happens Mm -hmm. first. And then the mental part, I would say that took longer, you know, but I would say years before I felt really comfortable in my body and yoga was, was definitely an assistant for that. It helped me to get into my body and, you know, be here on the planet connected to the earth. Yes. Um, But, but, you know, I, yeah, I still am definitely on that path. And of course, it is a big question. Of course, we're all on our healing path continuously. I just loved how you answered that. I loved that you shared that it happens in layers. It's almost like peeling an onion. The first thing that you felt healing was the physical aspect and yoga helped you to come back into your body. But the mental part took longer and then there's the emotional part, right? Was there an attachment that you had to get over in, in using and stop using? Well, I had to completely change my life. And because I used with people in my family, I had to step away from those people. Of course, I had to leave my job tending bar. That was not a healthy environment for me. Um, so every, I was connected to all of those things that supported my 
drug using lifestyle and had to leave all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I tried to stay friends with certain people that I thought, you know, would be okay. And, and, and it just, you know, most of those people, except for family members, like they're out of my life. Um, so there was a lot of attachment and there was also attachment to certain behaviors, things that I did while I was using the substances that I had to change. You know, I thought it made me a better driver. I thought it made me a better artist, you know, like, and, and so I had to relearn how to do everything, even, you know, putting on makeup and talking to people, having a, a conversation and looking people in the eye. And I always, when I was using, I like to tell stories and make things up often and had a hard time telling the difference between, you know, fact and fiction. And, and so it was like so many aspects of me had to shift. Yes. Powerful, powerful to hear your story. It's just the layers of all of it and the healing and that you kept going on because you really realized in your heart, you want to keep living. And then that moment came where you were sober. And of course, healing never ends. And it's a we always have different things to look at in our life and it's not about completion. It's about the journey, right. Of growth and expansion. I was just wondering when you were finally in that place where you were sober and you were feeling good and you had looked at all the layers, were there dreams that started rising that you couldn't have even tackled before? Absolutely. I, um, all through my childhood, I loved to dance and sing and create um, and had all sorts of wonderful dreams when I was little and then kind of threw them all away during my using time. And so those dreams started to come back, you know, and I never thought that I would be able to go to college. And I ended up, you know, getting a, a bachelor's and, and later on a master's degree. I um, created art for an oracle deck. I um, wrote a book. I got married and had children. Never thought that I would be able to be a parent. I um, became a classroom teacher for many years. Um, and and so, so, yes, like when, as the mind cleared, I was able to step into uh, those dreams from when I was little, but also new dreams came in. about things that I could do and be that I just never imagined possible. Oh, it's so beautiful to hear that. It's so beautiful to hear that when one takes care of an addiction and there's many forms of addiction, there's not just the, the hard, the hard stuff. There's also Mm -hmm. uh, TV addiction, social media addiction, sugar addiction, any kind of addiction just keeps us from so far away from our truest self and so far away from our truest dreams that we can't even access the true dreams when we are in this addictive cycle. I was wondering, is that part of your soul guide work where you help your clients in in the combination of soul guide and yoga therapist? Do you help them with their dreams and their healing? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and, and I love that you asked that question because as I started on my 
healing path and, and, you know, went to college and became a teacher. And I started to delve into energy work and shamanism and took many different kinds of trainings and had, you know, lots of different healing experiences. And, and I feel like all of those experiences and trainings helped me to evolve into what I'm doing now. So I feel like using yoga and shamanism and energy work, all of that and creativity too, I bring art into what I do. All of that comes into um, helping people connect with first, you know, figuring out what their desires are, because I think um, especially for women, but, you know, I have a number of male clients we are told by our families and society what we're supposed to be and do. And so really unraveling all of that and helping them figure out what it is that they truly want and then figuring out a way to move into that or to prepare ourselves to be able to move into that next step, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Does that happen? I'm curious. I know I know this about you, so I'm I'm <laughs> getting ahead of myself, but I'm excited. I know that you host um, yoga retreats, and how did you start hosting yoga retreats, and why? Well, they started with um, I I used to call them yoga renewals, and they were day long retreat. And then I started calling them soul renewals because yoga is one part of it. And, and we don't spend the whole day doing yoga. And I don't call my retreats, yoga retreats. I call them sensuous soul retreats, because even though we do practice every day of, you know, meditation, yoga, chanting, different things like that, it's also about diving into your own personal soul work. So, so it started as a one day thing. And then I did some local retreats and I was a little nervous about going out of the country with people, but I love to travel. Mm -hmm. And so I just started to put out feelers to find really beautiful locations where I could do this work. And, And I try to keep them affordable so that you know, as many people can, you know, like if, if it's something that they're drawn to do, that they're able to figure out how to make it work financially as well. Yes. Oh, and then I imagine in a, in a different location by beautiful surroundings, doing the soul work and doing the yoga things, the breath work. And I can just imagine that there's being taken out of your usual environment that ignites soul desires, doesn't it? It really does. And and a a number of the people on my last trip, I just returned a couple of weeks ago, said that it was really life changing because they got themselves out of their environment. They started doing different practices including eating healthfully and getting to sleep at a decent hour and waking up early and being in nature and being around like-minded people. And the th- one of the things I focus on is how are you going to keep this up once you're out of this beautiful location? Because that's a big part of it too. You know, like when you're in a place for seven to 10 days, you can be a different person or live a different lifestyle 
I, you know, some of the people were afraid because it was vegetarian that they might not survive without having animal meat, you know, and, um, and so that was a, a, a new thing for some people and they really enjoyed it. And then you leave that location and you're on a high for a little bit. And, and it's like, how do, how do you continue to keep those changes that you really loved, you know, cause we get back into our regular everyday life with work and family and cleaning the house and whatever it is else that you have to do. And, and sometimes those things fall away. And so how do you keep those things going? Yes. Oh, just listening to you. It's absolute soul medicine. I can, I'm just imagining myself at such a beautiful location with you and feeling fantastic and eating amazing food. But I can also hear the challenge of you come back and you're in your surroundings again. And our environment is so important. Our old environment is probably also set up in a way that you actually had mentioned earlier on that you had to change your environment to actually overcome the addiction. So it's almost like our bad habits are being upheld by our environment. So I think the first thing people probably need to do is change their environment coming home. What do you think? I think that it can be that. It can also be figuring out how you're going to fit it into your existing schedule. It could be figuring out what things need to go away. What do you need to let go of that's stopping you? Like I remember talking with one woman and, and she watched Netflix at night and, and she said, I don't have five minutes to, to breathe and, and do a short meditation. And, and I said, well, how about, you know, you let yourself watch one show and then you do your breath work instead of watching for four hours before you go to sleep, you know? And so we have conversations like that. So it's, it's not that you necessarily have to move or, you know, get rid of your partner. Sometimes it's the smallest changes that can have the biggest impact. Oh, I love that you said that because you're also someone I, I, I know Jacqueline. So <laughs> I'm going to just be transparent. I know things about Jacqueline that I'm sharing with you, the listener, because it's so important. It's so important. And what I know is that she's a specialist in doing sacred ritual, but in the simplest of ways that actually also gives you positive change in life. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I, one thing that I noticed in my own life and in the lives of people that I've worked with, when we try to make those, like we try to like throw out everything in our life. I'm gonna, you know, stop drinking coffee, stop smoking cigarettes. I'm, I'm going to, you know, exercise uh, seven days a week, you know, I'm going to stop eating meat and you try to do that all at once. It really sets us up for failure. And so I like to bring, and this comes from one of my yoga teachers, you know, bring in the good, right? So bring in a positive habit. And then those not so positive habits can start to fall away because this positive thing has come in you know? And so really, I always like to say, you know, like, what's the easiest thing that you could bring into your life that, that it kind of starts the, the progression, right? You make this small change, maybe it's, you know, drinking a glass of water when you wake up, maybe it's, you know, keeping your phone outside of your bedroom. 
um, you, you know, and that might not sound simple to some people, but you start with one thing. And then as that becomes part of your life, you can add in something else, you know, or let go, <clears throat> excuse me, of something. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. It's, it's so beautiful to hear it because you are so right. Our mind is always faster. It's, it's very, very fast. We're like, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this. But at the end of the day, we're setting ourselves up for failure, just like you said. And me hearing it, I, I'm human. I do the same thing. I might know intellectually that I'm not supposed to do it, <laughs> but I still do it. I still do it. And having listened to you, just breaking it down, little rituals in your everyday life, breaking it down to affect change. That is just so important. Oh, I could talk to you for hours. I, really I do want to say one thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you mm -hmm. um, about rituals, because sometimes when I use the word rituals, people get afraid that it means that it's like satanic or something like that. Oh, wow. But for me, when I talk about creating a, a ritual, so so habits happen as we do something over and over. And, and it's part of our brain's job. And it's, we need to do that because we can't think about all the decisions that we have to make, you know, about getting up and going to the bathroom, like some things, they have to be habits. But when we're trying to make change, what I, I talk about creating rituals so that it becomes more meaningful to you, you know, so like what sets the the sacred space for you to be able to do this change. You know, one of my favorite things is, you know, when I get up and I come into my room in the morning, I light my candle and that's like my connection to spirit. And I, you know, say a little prayer before I jump into my work, you know? So, and that to me sets the tone for what's going to happen next, you know, and instead of, you know, immediately grabbing my phone and, and, you know, seeing what emails I have. And, you know, it, it just starts me in a slower, more centered, and what feels to me a more of a sacred space. Yes. And you picked up on something that I, as a European, um, don't pick up on, because in Germany, they use the word ritual, and I'm going to say a German word, Wohlfühlrituale. And if I translate that, it means well-being ritual. So, mm. so I have no weird connection to the word ritual. And because I'm, I was brought up culturally different, and I remember this word, Wohlfühlrituale, which just means well-being ritual. For me, it's, it's, it was taken for granted that you take up them, you set up the sacred space to impact positive change. So thank you for catching that because that's a cultural difference that I wouldn't have picked up on. Mm, you're welcome. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Because the language, yeah. language is used differently in Germany and there's different connotations to words. And it's it's been, yeah, so it's beautiful that you explained that and that I could also just say that we can think about it like well-being rituals, sacred space for ourselves. And where can listeners find you to find out more about what you do as a soul guide and yoga therapist? I have a website called spiritedpractice, spiritedpractice.com. 
And on there, um, I have a couple of like freebies. Um, I have a pelvic care guide and a mantra quiz where you can find out your mantra for the day. Um, and also I recently published a book um, called Wake Up, a Transformative Guide to Creating Sacred Rituals in Your Life. And, um, and that all is available on there as well as my retreats and other things that I do. Beautiful. Thank you so much for taking time with me today and our listeners to share your transformational story that is so inspiring. And the last question that I would love to ask you, if you could just share one out of your mind and into your heart wisdom teaching based on your life and your trans, um, transformational story, what would that be? Hmm. It's something that I said already, and I think it's worth repeating. Small changes can have the greatest impact on your life. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, it. Nadia, so much for having me here. I love talking to you. <laughs> me too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Soul Health Mentor Podcast with Nadia Krauss. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are playing. 